This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel. This is live talk radio the way it should be. I am your humble host, Mike Parrot, broadcasting from various parts of uh, planet Earth. Today I'm at RTF South. One of these days I'm going to tell you where RTF South is, but I am in the extreme far south of RTF, back in the studio tomorrow, which is in the heart of America. Today's Monday, the 11th, uh, it's the 11th month, the 27th day of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. It is Monday morning, and you are listening to your favorite 10 a.m. Central Standard Hour Time addiction. Uh, The Irish are under attack today. The Irish do not have free speech anymore. The Irish have, uh, well, they've begun to take back their country, and for that, they will be acutely punished. Here's the Irish Prime Minister on the coming looming free speech elimination. We're going to make sure that we make those changes to our laws uh, in the next couple of weeks to allow the Gardaí uh, to use that evidence and go through that evidence uh, and identify the people who are involved in these actions, and we are going to get them. Uh, In addition to that, I think it's now very obvious to anyone who might have doubted it um, that our incitement hatred legislation is just not up to date. It's not up to date for the social media age, uh, and we need that legislation through, and we need it through within a matter of weeks, um, because it's not just the platforms who have a responsibility here, and they do. Uh, There's also the individuals uh, who post messages and images online uh, that stir up hatred and violence, uh, and we need to be able to use laws to go after them individually as well. Well, that's chilling. You need laws to go after people individually, not just the social media platforms that say the things that you don't want them to say. That's rather draconian. I don't know. If you were to ask me whether or not I had it in my bingo cards that the Prime Minister of Ireland would be advocating Stalinist tactics, I'm not so sure that I would have told you that that would happen in 2023. Nevertheless, you know, actually, golly, I wish that I could find this. I wrote a research paper once for Command and General Staff College. You know, back when I was affiliated with the Marine Corps. Uh, well, that was back before Nazi Niles. Well, of course, that was back before she was canned from Church Militant, and Church Militant melted down, and Boris was fired by his own board of directors. So a lot has transpired in the last couple of days. Don't worry, I'm going to do a full download on the Voris saga later this week. And I'm excited to announce to you that I will be interviewed by Dr. E. Michael Jones. And it's a role reversal. Normally, I'm the one interviewing him. He's the interesting guy. Well, in this case, I am the world expert on all things Michael Voris. And um, I can't wait to give you details about when and where Dr. Jones is going to interview me. But back uh, when I was working uh, in the Marine Corps... In Command and General Staff College, this is a college for uh, field-grade officers to basically kind of study advanced warfare tactics and techniques. I wrote a research paper about Ireland. I've always loved Ireland and been obsessed with it um, for various reasons. Family bloodline, heritage, patrimony, history of the world, history of Christendom, um, 
all of it. I've, I've just loved all of it. And in my estimation at the time, this would have been years ago, I basically predicted that Ireland would become fully Soviet uh, within the next decade. And the reasoning for that that I gave, and this was before ever stepping foot in Ireland, which I've, I've been to um, a handful of times now in the intervening years. Without ever stepping foot in Ireland, one of the things that I noted was that their trajectory towards Stalinist Soviet Gestapo lifestyle, uh, their trajectory is much faster than everybody else. They feel like they're playing catch-up in terms of the rest of Europe. Most of Europe has been progressing along uh, the lines uh, towards Stalinism for some time. And various parts of Europe have been progressing at various speeds, but they've been doing it for a much longer amount of time. Brussels, um, the, the Netherlands, um, even France have been leading the world, really, in experimentation on, you know, the most extreme version of socialism that you can imagine. And some places have been, have been sensible, like, uh, like England. England has been sensible about, uh, about socialism and, 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 and the common good. Um, when you get to Ireland, though, they have been treated by the European Union like they are, I don't know, the Alabama of the European Union, the Mississippi of the European Union, the Deep South of the European Union. Why? Well, number one, they started off far, far behind. I mean, in the as far as the late 90s and early 2000s, the Irish people were overwhelmingly pro-life, pro-family. A lot of people there are connected to the land in various ways. It's, it's an abundant green, rich place where, uh, gosh, stuff just grows. I mean, why? Well, it rains every other day. Constant source of water, constant source of sunlight, pretty stable temperatures. It doesn't go below freezing. And so everything is green. It's, 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 it's a thousand shades of green. When you land in Ireland and you look around, it's a thousand shades of the greenest green that you've ever seen, especially if you're there on a sunny day. Greens that you just don't see in the United States, but for certain parts of the country, certain times of the year, whatever. Um, it's just stunningly, abundantly green. And that is why Irish milk, Irish butter is famous. Irish cheese, it's all famous. You can like taste the power of God's providence in Irish butter, Irish milk, Irish cheese. Some of you maybe go to like Costco and you buy Dubliner cheese. That's all made there. The other thing that is made there is Irish whiskey. Lots of moss, moss everywhere. Okay, it's kind of like Scotland, you know, where they can get the peaty moss and therefore they can make Scotch whiskey. So you got Scotch whiskey from Scotland and you've got Irish whiskey from Ireland. Both have a sweetness to them, 
both as a result of sort of how the land is and the mossiness of the land. Well, Ireland has mostly woken up to the fact that they were behind in the European race towards socialism. And this feeling of keeping up with the Joneses, of me too, of we can do it better, of faster, of we have to, we have to out Brussels, Brussels, um, has swept the nation. So in the years following, let's say the late 90s, early 2000s, when Ireland was staunchly pro-life, pro-Catholic, pro-tradition, there was a resurgence of um, of. Gaelic being spoken, an interest in the national identity, um, that all got wiped away. And suddenly, this idea of we are part of the European Union now, and we better get with the program, had taken over. And in the last 10 or 15 years, Ireland has, has done 40 years of cultural revolution. What took uh, other nations... 40 years to accomplish, Ireland has done in less than 10. They've gone from a country primarily, I mean, it's it's 95% Irish in this country, okay? And we're not talking about a huge nation. It's a small island with like 5 million people on it, okay? So what is that? I mean, it's Dallas, Texas, all right? I mean, Dallas, Texas, the, the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area is basically the entire nation of Ireland. But when you are a small agrarian uh, nation that's sort of known to be semi-low-tech, semi-behind-the-times, you know, you got people still hand-stitching wool sweaters in the Aran Islands using, uh, you, know, you know, wool from the, from the same sheep that have been herded there, uh, I, I don't know. Since time immemorial, right? Since the time of the Druids. You know, be, these, these people feel like they have to get with the program. So they built a new airport and they've built new streets and things. And they're showcasing. They've got a beautiful university in Dublin called Trinity University. It's, it's uh, pr- probably considered amongst the elite universities in Europe. Um, maybe not the equivalent of Ivy League, but... but close, aspirationally Ivy League, sort of like Stanford in the United States. Stanford's not Ivy League, but it's darn near close, or it's or it's considered as good. It's just not old, as old. Um, everything about Ireland has changed in the last 10 years, and they have, this is the power of the revolution, and this is something that I noted in my research paper, which incidentally, like, the fact that I even got to write this, the, the study this particular topic, I, I was studying Ireland in, in, the con, in the greater context of the United States and Russia. And my point was is that Russian-Soviet-style communism would find a better foothold in a place like Ireland that was slipping so fast and cultural identity being erased so quickly that the trajectory towards... Um, you know, sort of this erasure of anything resembling uh, a a historical connection to the past. With all of that happening in Ireland, I argued that it would be much 
easier. That'd be that's much more fertile ground, just based on the rate of change. Yes, they they started from behind. Yes, there still are so many good, normal people there that love Ireland, that love the faith, that have clung to it. But the faith has collapsed in Ireland, and you can see that in the numbers. And in a place where the faith collapses overnight, like in 10 or 15 years, where families disappear, where cultural traditions break down, where everyone suddenly just wants to be the most current thing, that is the environment you would need to implement Soviet-style government. That was my argument. That was my thesis. And it was, it was interesting because most of my peers, most of the other folks in the class, okay, of course, we're all studying war with Russia, right? I mean, that's basically command and general staff colleges. How do we beat Russia in a war? Uh, nobody's nobody's uh, actually thinking about China. Maybe you have to be a colonel and go to the advanced war fighting school to actually know the truth that we're, we're going to have to fight China a long time before we're ever going to have to fight Russia. But okay, fine, we're still stuck on Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, maybe this is an anti-Trump thing. Who knows? This was during the Obama years. But okay, so uh, here I am, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm in a class full of people who all get to choose a nation to focus on in the context of war with Russia, and everybody's focusing on like the Ukraine. This was this was before Russia invaded Ukraine. Ukraine, um, the state of Georgia, Lithuania. You know, all of these like sort of uh, former. Uh, Soviet states or or close to them, Romania, uh, Lithuania, um, even possibly people are focusing in the Middle East. They're looking at, well, okay, well, Russia and Assad, you know, and, uh, and Syria. So what about Syria's neighbors and that, that sort of thing? And here I'm like, I, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to study Ireland. I had to get special permission from the uh, from the course instructor, and he was. I still have the email he sent me. He said, "You know, I, I'm I was circumspect in allowing you to choose Ireland, but I'm interested in hearing what you have to say about how Ireland may play a role in the United States conflict against um, against Russia." And so, at the end of the course, I made my case. I made my argument, and. Um, and I, I did fine. I mean, he, at least from the instructor's point of view, I proved the case out pretty well. Um, and he assigned me basically 100% and said, you're right, that, uh, you know, Shannon Airport in Ireland, which has been strategically useful to the United States in prosecuting various air campaigns in the Middle East, we have used that airport to uh, land and refuel and resupply and do all kinds of stuff. That would someday be a Russian airport, and that would be extremely useful to the Russians. Imagine if the if Russia had a Cuba, but for Europe, an island off the coast of uh, the main land that they could turn Soviet style and point missiles into Europe directly. I mean, that would be extremely useful to the Russians. And so what I had, um, what I had um, hypothesized was that Russian state, Russian state actors have been interfering with and conducting cultural uh, revolution in Ireland to help accelerate its decline towards Stalinism. 
This was something I wrote years ago um, for Command and General Staff College, and my, my, uh, my professors at the time thought that there was a, a, a pretty decent argument made here. Now, I, I'm not sure that any of them were necessarily Catholic or traditional Catholic or saw the world exactly the way I saw it, but I didn't necessarily allow my worldview to be um, totally obscured in the writing. You know, I basically lamented the fact that at, that Ireland was losing its identity, uh, almost on a, on a deliberate course to lose or jettison its identity. And furthermore, what I argued, and what I argue every single day here on the Crusade Channel, is that when a nation forgets its identity, um, dispenses with it, forgets about it, or becomes ashamed of it, that's the, that's the ideal Soviet position, once a society becomes ashamed of its identity, then that is the fertile ground for the implementation of communism. And why is that? Why, why, why exactly is that? Well, for example, when you know who you are, then you know that you are part of a larger organization. When you say I, or when you say we, you refer not only to yourself, but to your family. And not only to the living family, to your nuclear family, but to your lineage, to your lineage. And that's a very powerful obstacle for communism, for the implementation of communism. Because when you know that your ancestors cleared this land, when you, when you look at Ireland, it's, it's green, and then there are all these lines in the land. And what are the lines? The lines are stacked stone walls delineating the different plots of land. Who stacked those stone walls? Your ancestors stacked those stone walls over the last thousand years. These are thousand-year-old walls, at least. They were stacked by hand, by your ancestors. The ground sweated the stones, and your Celtic forefathers, the Gaels, laboriously cleared the land stone by stone and stacked them bit by bit, so that you could raise livestock and exist and subsist, okay? When you say I, and you know that when, I, when, that, when, when the word I has a meaning reaching back to the first converts of St. Patrick, when you say I and you refer to the men of County Tipperary or County Cork or whichever of the counties you're from. From Royal Meath, County Meath. When you say I and that is what you know yourself to be, that is who you are, in other words, the principle of identity, you will not accept godless Stalinism. You will not accept antithetical political subversion 
i.e. communism. You just won't. You won't go for it. So the principle of identity, therefore, has to be attacked. And that's what we're living through right now, the principle of identity. Who am I? What am I? Am I a monkey? Am I a man? Am I a woman? Am I a child? Am I a dolphin? The principle of identity is under attack because cultural Marxism, neo-communism, requires it. And my point was, uh, again, years ago, maybe I'll find the paper and read it to you. I think you'll find it insightful. It's not that long, actually. Maybe we'll do a a whole show on it. Um, Since I'm obsessed with Ireland, kind of you have to be obsessed with Ireland, too, for the time being. But Ireland is in the news right now. Why? Well, because five little children were stabbed by a, a cultural enricher. Aren't, well, isn't our culture so enriched that we have all of these lovely immigrants from, you know, various places, Africa or Ukraine or whatever? Five children were stabbed by a non-Irishman. A rec- someone who recently arrived to the island and decided to wreak havoc and violence on five innocent children. And this caused a storm. Um, Buildings were set ablaze, riots, cars flipped. It was bad. Um, This happened over the weekend. And even Conor McGregor, the uh, world-famous UFC fighter, weighed in and said that Ireland needs to get their heads out of their you-know-whats. They need to stop this from happening. You can't have immigrants coming into the nation and killing children. Now, Ireland has no problem killing unborn children anymore because of the cultural Marxism which has been inflicted upon them. But nevertheless, this shocked the conscience of Ireland and some of the the good and, um, I think, well-thinking Irishmen stood up and said, enough is enough. That's where you get the PM's remarks that I played for you earlier. That's where you get the idea that if you have hate speech on your person, in your phone, in your email, whatever, if you, if you possess hate speech, this new legislation pending in Ireland, then you are guilty of a crime. In other words, for those who are listening to the Crusade Channel in Ireland, and I'm sure that that, that that number is greater than zero, because this show reaches the entire Anglosphere, for those who would be listening to this show, or at least this segment on the uh, New Christendom Daily podcast in Ireland, to listen to this podcast would, would potentially be illegal in Ireland. In other words, the Crusade Channel would be illegal in Ireland, um, and, it, and it may very well be illegal within a matter of days. How did we get there? How did we arrive at this juncture? I think it's worth uh, examining. By the way, this show is brought to you by the Have Yourself a Merry and Manly Little Christmas Contest being played exclusively here, live, on air, on the Crusade Channel until December 22nd. For details on how to play and win a $50 shopping spree in the Founders Trading Post store and be qualified to win one of six grand prize gifts, 
go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. All right, folks, we've got to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I think we'll continue talking about Ireland, but maybe from a different point of view, slightly different angle. Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Be right back. Hey, I just met you, heard you're a groomer, so here's your millstone, good luck loser, it's hard to look right when you're a pervert, so take your millstone, no kids will get hurt, gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean, down in the ocean, alongside that titan sub, gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean, throw them in the ocean. With that Titanic sub. Welcome back to the show. This is Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. I am your humble host, Mike Parrot, hosting every single day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Pleasure to be back with you on this Monday morning, the 27th day of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. This is the last week before we approach the holy season of Advent expectation for the coming of our Lord. Uh, This will be the end of the time after um, Pentecost, and it is the end of the year. It's the end of the liturgical year for the church. This week uh, is the end of the year. So very, very interesting times. As we approach the end of the calendar year, 2023, I will have spent the greater part of this year with you. And so next year will mark my second year at the Crusade Channel at some point next year. I don't know, March or April, whenever that happens. And um, it has been a pleasure. It's been a blast. I've loved it. I can't get over how awesome it has been to be with you. To email me, you can email me at restoringthefaithmedia at gmail.com, restoringthefaithmedia at gmail.com. I do hope that there are some Irishmen who do listen to the program and participate in all the stuff happening here at the Crusade Channel. Um, I hope that there are some Irishmen who are potentially in the live chat, uh, or if not there, then um, at least they've become founders, past members. As a general reminder, you can do that by going to crusadechannel.com slash parrot, P-A-R-R. O-T-T. All right. Um, In the last segment, I was talking to you about Ireland. And in Dublin over the weekend, there were pretty significant riots. More anti-riot police were dispatched over the weekend in Ireland than ever in the history of the country. Now, that doesn't mean that this was the worst riot ever. That just means that the policing and the government's response to uh, to rioting was more pronounced than ever. In other words, the last thing that the communists who are invoking uh, a cultural revolution in Ireland, the last thing that they want are people waking up or having a counter-revolution. I want to read you almost verbatim how CNN is covering the story. I've read uh, several European magazines, and CNN covers it exactly the way Europeans do. Uh, You're not even going to believe this. 
Violent clashes broke out between police and far-right protesters in the central part of Dublin, Ireland on Thursday after a knife attack in the capital city earlier in the day left three children and two adults injured. Okay. Violent clashes broke out between police and far-right protesters in the central part of Dublin. After a knife attack in the capital city earlier in the day left three children and two adults injured. Irish police said they arrested 34 people after the riots. Speaking during a press conference Friday, Gurdie, Commissioner Drew Harris, said police could not have anticipated that the stabbings would have triggered such disorder. Harris told journalists that a five-year-old child remains in a very serious condition and a female teacher is in a serious condition. These are scenes that we have not seen in decades, but what is clear is that people have been radicalized through social media, he said. On Thursday, Harris described the rioters as a complete lunatic hooligan faction driven by far-right ideology. I'm going to pause there. CNN reports that violent clashes have broken out between far-right protesters and police and that, incidentally, there was also a stabbing. The European rags all talk about how did this happen? They all act surprised. How could it have, have come to pass? We could never have predicted that a simple stabbing would cause all these complete lunatic hooligan factions driven by far-right ideology to show up. Now, what is the far-right ideology that is being espoused here? The far-right ideology is don't let violent criminals into our country? That's considered to be far-right ideology, not only in Europe, but also in the United States. This is CNN. Continuing. Video on social media earlier Thursday appeared to show a group of men clashing violently with officers in Dublin and setting a police car on fire. A man could also be seen in the footage holding a sign reading, Irish Lives Matter. Some protesters can be heard on video chanting anti-immigration slogans including get them out. Irish lives matter. The clashes came after a man in his 50s was detained by police after he allegedly stabbed several people, including the girl who is receiving emergency treatment. Police have not revealed the nationality of the suspect. The incident took place in Parnell Square in the city's center, according to police. The Irish police say they weren't considering terrorism as a motive for the violence. Not even considering it. It's definitely not terrorism when you stab five people, shouting Allah Akbar. Speaking Friday, the police chief detailed the extent of the huge destruction caused by what he said was a riotous mob with video showing rioters looting shops, including one of Dublin's major department stores. According to Harris, four buses and one 
tram were destroyed and 11 police vehicles damaged. 13 shops in the city center were also seriously damaged, according to the police chief. One police officer was seriously injured in the clashes, Harris said. A large number of rioters also tried to smash through the police cordon and disrupt the crime scene, he said. A large police presence was, uh, will be deployed in Dublin city center on Friday, with Harris encouraging shoppers and workers to come into the city as normal. Quote, we cannot allow the city to be given over to the thugs, the looters, and the arsonists, the police said. Now, I'm going to pause here. Thugs, looters, and arsonists are perfectly okay when it comes to Black Lives Matter. Thugs, looters, and arsonists are perfectly okay when it comes to the transgender agenda. And frankly, we love thugs, looters, and arsonists when it comes to Antifa or anti-fascist or leftist movements or ACORD or any of those people. What we oppose are the looting and the arson and the thuggery when people say, get them out. Don't bring violent criminals into my country. Irish lives matter. Irish lives matter. European Union Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said she was shocked by the knife attack, according to a statement on Twitter. Similarly, Ireland's deputy prime minister said he was, quote, deeply shocked by the serious incident in Dublin. In a statement on Twitter shortly after the incident, Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald said the violent attack, quote, has sent shock and horror throughout the community. Ireland's justice minister, Helen McKenty, described the protesters as thugs and criminals who were using this appalling attack to sow division and wreak havoc in the city. Sow division and wreak havoc in the city. CNN does not bother to tell you that it was an immigrant who stabbed five people in Dublin. CNN does not bother to interview or show you the point of view of any of the people upset about the fact that there's a five-year-old girl fighting for her life right now, a little Irish girl, stabbed by an immigrant. CNN opens the story with the idea that violent clashes are breaking out between police and, quote, far-right protesters. This is how they shift the Overton window. This is how they do mind control. This is how they try to bend your view of reality. To convince you that you're the crazy one. You're the one with the problem. It's not them. It's you. It is now far right to oppose the importation of violent criminals onto an otherwise pretty peaceful island? Ireland is 94 or 95% Irish. I'm not going to say that they're white because Irish isn't white. Whiteness is a brand new construct. They're not white, they're Irish. They're Celtic. 
95% homogenous nation, now currently being invaded by non-Irishmen who bring with them violent criminality because these people, these immigrants, have no investment in the island. They have no investment in the homeland. They have no shared identity with the people who live there. So importing criminals, sending five-year-old girls into very serious conditions, for what? To fit in with Brussels better? To uh, receive the adulations of the European Union, of Ursula von der Leyen. I don't think that Ursula von der Leyen cares at all about the safety of the Irish children. Ursula von der Leyen, the European Union Commission president, she is laser-focused on destroying Ireland, destroying borders, destroying peoples, Multi, she wants multiculturalism, multi-ethnicism. She does not want Ireland to be Ireland. That's one of the reasons why the EU really didn't like Ireland. It was because they were so ethnically homogenous when they entered the European Union. So we've got to do something about that. We've got to bring in first... It was the Ukrainians. And when I was in Ireland earlier this year, there were Ukrainians everywhere in Dublin anyway. Not in, like, real Ireland. But in Dublin, there were, there were Ukrainians everywhere. There were Hindus everywhere. There were Muslims everywhere. I spent a significant amount of time there in the last couple of years. And just walking around in... Dublin, or in Limerick, or in Galway, or in Cork, you hardly see anyone who looks Irish. You hardly see it. Now, as soon as you leave those places, everybody looks Irish. Everybody. But when you're in the urban cores, in those four places, and probably Waterford too, although I've never been there. That's in the southeast. Those would be the top five cities in Ireland. It's hard to find an Irishman. This is to the joy and, uh, and uh, celebration of Ursula von der Leyen. She doesn't want there to be Irishmen in Dublin anymore. She wants Dublin to be what it has become, which is a standard Eurotrash city. with a cacophony of different languages and cultures and experiences and whatever else. All right, quick reminder that the show is brought to you by the Have Yourself a Merry and Manly Little Christmas Contest. It's here exclusively live on air on the Crusade Channel till December 22nd. For details on how to play, and to win a $50 shopping spree in the Founders Trading Post store and be qualified to win one of the six grand prize gifts, go to crusadechannel.com forward slash 
Mary. CrusadeChannel.com forward slash Mary. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. It's been an honor to be with you. I am departing momentarily from RTF Deep South. Deep, deep south. Where I am conducting basically a leader's reconnaissance, which I'll tell you a little bit more about. I'll be back in the heart of America for tomorrow's broadcast. And I do so look forward to spending some time with you this week as we prepare for the coming of Advent, which is basically the liturgical new year. So happy new year almost to you later this week. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you soon. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com